Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Let's give a big one. Time now for... We're not the kind of guys to say we told you so, but we... Told you so. Overreaction Monday. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. Hi, welcome to the pod. We're overreacting here on Monday. Well, it's Sunday for us. Uh, Pretty good slate of games. A lot of action on Saturday, starting with like Clemson and Florida State. Florida State bailing out of the Clemson game. Uh Uh-huh. Big controversy. We'll get to that. Uh, early in the morning and clear right through to Hawaii doing a backdoor cover on Boise State at like, I don't know, 4 a.m. Eastern time to crush <laughs> Sully. <laughs> it was it was a classic old school full day of college football, although actually with a little new school twist of the pandemic cancellation at 9 a.m. of a game. It really was. Some bad beats over the weekend. Ooh. Brutal. Purdue. Ooh. Purdue. Ah. Ooh. Bad call. Awful. On that play. Oh, goodness. Uh, that was bad. Uh, if you didn't see it, I'm sure you did. I mean, the pass in, offensive pass interference just wasn't there. Uh, Minnesota beats Purdue. In terms yeah. of covers, Coastal Carolina with a pick at the end of the game, and the kid yeah. should go down. He doesn't. <laughs> he runs him in. God bless you. I don't blame you, kind of, but you screwed me. Oh, I blamed him. Yeah, I blamed him plenty. <laughs> screwed all of us. So a kid scores when he's not supposed to. Then Cincinnati screws us all by not scoring when they should have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not just like taking a knee, like had a free path to the end zone and then went in the fetal position at the one. Yeah. And then when they're running plays, the next couple things, Central Florida stopping them. Yes. Yeah. But the whole thing's a mess. I mean, it was boy, that was that, that was one of those games where you're like really happy you won. And then you get on the plane to fly back. And you're like, man, that was a. We nearly screwed that up at the oh, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it? Two score. I don't care what those numbers say. Two score games. No, I don't like I don't, the win probability in football is is important. But every single week in the NFL, practically or college football, we see these. Oh, ninety nine percent chance to win. You know, it's always like, what is? Where do you get the number? Yeah. Because if Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is on the other step, I don't <laughs> believe you ever have a ninety nine percent until you're in victory formation. Right. I don't. I, I just. I hate those plays. Oh well, you got a you got a forty percent chance of uh, gaining two yards on third and two. Not if it's Derrick Henry. <laughs> right. Not if the you know. Not if it's you yeah. know whatever. It's the Alabama line, and you've worn you you worn Kentucky out late. Like not. 
I just these there's too many variables in football for the, to be like baseball. Yeah, right, exactly. And that's all that is is CYA for coaches who can then turn around when they when it doesn't go right is to turn around and say, "Well, the book said X." So we go by the book. We play the percentages. But What's I mean, like in, in terms of like Cincinnati UCF, and I don't want to hijack us here, but you score to go up by 10 points with a minute and a half left and your defense is the best defense in that league and one of the best defenses in the country. You're going to tell me that you're, you're, you think UCF can go score twice and get an onside kick in between? Well, imagine if that UCF DN picked up the loose ball. That ball was on the oh. ground. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, if yeah, it deflects right. a yard more to one side of Desmond Ritter and one of those UCF dudes, you know their defensive ends are 230-pound guys who can run, you know, 4'8", and that guy returns at 100 yards, that is like the single worst game management moment in the history of college football. I, I mean, I get it, the math, the math, the math, but some of these things, like, I've seen this. You go to, let's go to, I mean, we'll get to a lot of these games, but Rutgers, Michigan, Shiano basically sets up for the field goal in that second overtime when they've got it won, they've got yeah. the game won instead of just running the ball straight ahead. And it's like, well, we should be able to hit this field goal. <laughs> I've been watching college football a long time as a college kicker. You know, they trot out the soccer player and it's like, I mean, you could just see it coming. It was like, Oh no, oh, yeah. don't, don't. Yeah. Uh, well, we position the ball and we, and, and I, it's like play football. I don't know. man. Yeah. I just, I just don't trust these stats. I, I think they give you a general inclination of where things are going, but it's it's dicey. I, there was a lot more ways for Cincinnati to lose that game than if you give up two drives and an onside kick in the last minute, Yeah, it's Come almost on. like tip your hat to the other team, but don't right. set them up where they only need one score to win the game right. or a fumble don't. or something bad to happen that we've seen a gazillion times. Yeah, that would have actually, yes, Pete, they, it would have been... Luke Fickle would have been alongside Kevin Steele for the worst oh, yeah. moment of all time, except there was more on the line in this game than it was when Kevin Steele was at Baylor and they were winning by like five at UNLV. And it's like, no, we're going to score one more to really put make a statement. And they fumbled going in and the guy ran it 100 yards back to win the game. All right. College football playoff rankings. First rankings this week. Tuesday night, they will release it. ESPN will have their big show. Parts of this are, are, I find, hysterical that the committee is has to fly to Dallas and stay for two days at the Gaylord Hotel outside of Dallas and meet. They have to take a test in the morning, and then they all have to sit in the conference room for literally seven or eight hours the first day. I, You know, I'm not Dr. Fauci, but this doesn't seem like the wisest idea. Couldn't this be done some other way? I, it just seems completely ridiculous. It always seems ridiculous. These meetings, yeah. Bill Hancock was on the Paul Feinbaum show. He said, well, we can't do Zooms that long. It takes seven to eight hours on Monday and two to three on Tuesday to come up with the, the ranking. <laughs> come on. <laughs> what? I love college football, but it should not take 10 to 12 hours to rank 25 teams. I would shoot my head off if I had to do that for what? <laughs> for a TV show? These rankings are meaningless. They mean nothing. It's, I'm not doing it. I would never sign up for this thing. But my God, it just seems so bizarre. Is it, This is why college football will never change. Even in a pandemic, even when it, you have a bunch of, you got a lot of older guys on this committee and stuff. R.C. Slocum. And, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah, ah, let's do it. 
five straight weeks of flying. Let's all get together and breathe on each other. They will refuse to change anything. Just be like, look, we're going to have an hour meeting. The rankings may or may not be more accurate. Who the hell knows? But we're just going to do this on Zoom for an hour on, on uh, Sunday night and uh, deal with it. We'll get together yeah. for the last one. Who would be against? Who would go crazy about that? Nobody. But they can't nobody even not do this. No, no. It's, I mean, that's the thing is we we have this is classic college football. Let's take something simple and make it incredibly complicated, difficult and problematic for everybody involved. You know, <laughs> like that's how it took us 145 years to have a playoff, as we have discussed. But to. Yeah, to make these people, some of their 60s, 70s, uh, all come to get together and do it over and over and over again in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> we're too, we're too, our process is way too important to do it other than the way we do it. That's it just has to be done this way. That's the way we've done it. So that's the way we're going to do it forever, even if somebody, you know, catches a deadly virus. That thing's going to be broken down. To, they're all going to be like, there's going to be an outbreak. I mean, come on. I don't know. Again, it's not me personally. If they want to do it, I guess. But it's just this is the mentality of college football. Like, this is how we always did it. So why would we change it? it, it, it the rankings, they don't even build because, right, they tear it up every week. They tell you. See, imagine being on this committee. I don't know how anyone even. And how do these schools allow this? I, I could not tell my employer. I right. could not call up Johnny Ludden at Yahoo Sports and say, hey. I'm not going to be available Monday and Tuesday of every week because I have to even Sunday night. So I have to fly to Dallas to rank college football teams that have nothing to do with our actual job. And you're OK with that. I, he would go, no. And I mean, he would say, no, He'd be like, no, you're not doing that. You're not getting uh, no. Right. Yet these ADs do it. Then okay, here's my other one with this committee. They put like committee members on who are like from I think I don't I don't know what this year's but I know Florida's on it but a lot of times like Oklahoma's on it I think Clemson's been on it Ohio State's been on it and then they have to recuse themselves when discussing yeah. the actual important part. Gee, what a stunner! Ohio State <laughs> might be in the playoff co contention. Like <laughs> those guys should never be on it. What is the point of being on it if you have to sit out the important part? Right. It should all be retired guys or like Kent State or D2, like just random people around the country. Like, wh why would you sit on this if you I, the whole concept makes no sense to me. And yet these ADs sign up for it. Their employers are paying them a million dollars. Like, yeah, we're cool with that. You just take a couple of days a week. <laughs> what an industry. What an industry. <laughs> No, I, I just I was just going to say that that this, this committee you're talking about the recusals here, Joe Castiglione, Oklahoma, they could be they're certainly going to be involved in possibly like a New Year's six sort of discussion. Rick George of Colorado, they're undefeated. He's going to have to recuse for some stuff. Uh, Ronnie Lott, USC, undefeated. Recuse yourself. Uh, <laughs> R.C. Slocum, former coach of Texas A&M. Oops, sorry, you're in the mix. You got to recuse. And Scott Strickland, Florida, definitely in the mix. You got to recuse. I mean, who's going to be in there the whole time? John Urschel, who went to Penn State, who's winless. You're in charge, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually way smarter than everyone in the room. John Urschel was like, uh, like one of the five well, smartest college football players yeah, in the last just generation. Let him pick it. So I think he went to MIT. Here's the thing: I was talking to one of the committee members last night, 
they're like, well, it's going to be really socially distanced and we all have to test. And like, it's almost like they, it's college football taking itself too seriously to the extreme. Like they are in charge of this process and they're going to execute the process. It just completely flies in the common, it, it flies in the face of common sense. It flies in the safe face of everything they're telling the players on their campus and athletes on their campus not to do. They're going to do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If, yeah, if if Florida's right guard said, hey, I have to fly to Dallas every Wednesday, they'd be like, no way, you're out. You can't you can't play. You kidding me? Like, you, I have to go travel. I have to go travel. Well, you'd have to be quarantined. You have to do all this stuff. So I really think optically it's really bad. But I just think common sense-wise, it's just foolish. It's a pandemic. Figure it out. You don't need the in-person dynamic in the room. Like, that Bill Hancock always talks about the value of looking – like, I get it. Like, I – I want to do all my interviews in person. I'm sure, like, you know, I've done a bunch of stories this year. I'd love to sit down with Rashad Bateman in Minneapolis. But you know what? It ain't happening. My employer doesn't want me to go. They don't want me there. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I, I don't know. It's uh, that one. If that backfires, oh, my. Oh, my. Will, will that committee just get roasted? Because it's not second guessing. It's been first guessed by everyone. You'd have to look long and hard. Even on the committee, look long and hard to find someone that says, oh, this is a good idea. This is a byproduct of what I, you know, what I call the National Collegiate Athletic Industrial Complex. Like yeah. they, this is a group that didn't want to create a playoff that were, that had to create a playoff. So they created a lousy playoff. And then really all what the, the bedrock of college athletic administration is having meetings in hotels in warm places. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's great, right? If the term Palm or Vista is not in the name of the town, you will not have a meeting. There. Nobody has ever held a NCAA meeting at SUNY Buffalo. It doesn't happen. They apparently have no conference rooms there. So you have to have this meet. We got to meet. We got to have steaks. We got to meet. We got to have little bottles of water. This is what we do. And they can't get past that. So again, like this isn't really like, in the terms of outrage, no. It's just like, no. what are you doing? Like, it's what? Just, yeah. It just speaks it's, to everything else that happens in college athletics that this would be a considerably a good idea. And you go, all right, I guess. But, like, um, this is a lot easier. And, yeah, let's take this part super serious. They, they So they put out a little Q&A about heading in. And they said the college football management committee considered expanding the college football playoff this year, which a lot of us are saying, how the hell do you rate these teams? I, this is baffling. All right. If USC and Oregon or, or Colorado and Oregon or somebody, you could have two undefeated Pac-12 teams play. Are they in? Well, they might only play four or five games. I don't know. Like, so maybe you just say, hey. Pack, let's do it to eight. And they, so they, they com considered it and then decided against it. Of course, of course they did. They won't even, they probably, they considered not having these meetings and spending 12 hours ranking a top 25 in November. Like they're going to spend like a half an hour debating like, well, should Clemson be four? Should Clemson be, well, we'll find out when they play at Notre Dame again. Yeah. So yeah. don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Right. It will all work itself out in the wash, <laughs> you know, for the most part. So that's don't do the it. thing. But, this is, you know, when 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 this all became TV inventory, that was just the added layer that we have to have. You know, we've got to do it when they figured it's out. It's a oh, half hour show on Tuesday nights. It's a half hour show. How accurate does it need to be? What are you doing? I I can't even imagine this thing. I can't. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm probably boring people, but I cannot imagine sitting there 
like now into the second day of deliberations. Okay. You did eight hours on Monday. You're now on the three hours on Tuesday that apparently it takes. And you're going, should Tulsa be 21st? Well, I'll tell you what, they're, they're past defensive rate. What? <laughs> what? I, I'd be like, I, will I don't that. care. I'm out of here. I'd be so, yeah. I'd be so hungover for 10. I'd just leave. Forget. <laughs> Remember Archie Manning was on that thing for like oh, a week. Like, and no, it was like, get me oh, what is this yeah. nonsense? Sounded good when they pitched it to me. Right. Okay, I got more important things to do. <laughs> what, Archie? Nothing. <laughs> he was like, I had ankle surgery. Nothing to do. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> he went in and got it. Was, like, was there anything wrong with your ankle? Not really. No. It's, been, it's bothering me for 40 years. Yeah. I finally, I figured yeah. I was. Yeah. yeah, he heard it in the LSU like, game back in his career. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's been nagging me. I gotta, I gotta get ready, get away from these guys. So Pat brought up a great term, inventory. Like this entire next five weeks is just going to be the billion dollar college sports industry handcuffed to inventory, and there are going to be some horish decisions made to the detriment of student athletes to put games on television, right? Like these December 19th, three verse four other side games, there is just going to be a bunch of things staged only. There was a number, uh, I think that the SEC number per game is 4 million. The Pac-12 is somewhere around 3 million. Like every game is millions of dollars are at stake. And these 18 games lost is going to create in a time of a revenue crunch even more. So that gymnastics, these conference offices and programs and ADs are doing to simply provide inventory for, I mean, Mississippi State has less than the, the, the allotted player, less than 53 players. So they, they basically rolled into Athens as an FCS team. And give them credit, they played well. Like those decisions are really going to become magnified the next couple of weeks and it's going to be gross. Oh yeah, no. Uh, the, look, this is uh, like the sausage is, is just being made right out in front of everybody now. Okay, and the motivations for this stuff are clear that most of a lot of the games in the last month here are going to be played purely to satisfy TV inventory and bring in revenue. And that's it. And you're going to be looking at those players. If you're an administrator, well, maybe you won't look at them because you'll probably hide. But but you, you, you should go walk over there and tell them, say, look, yeah, we need you because we're trying to fill the coffers here. Okay. That's because that's what's going on here. So we need you to suck it up. We know you've been here since May or June. Uh, keep going. We need you. They said last night on the USC-Utah game, when the USC-Utah game had cameras working. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just kind of right. a funny. They just had a picture of the stadium lights and the guys are doing like radio call. It was like <laughs> <Yeah>. so great. <laughs> but they said, you know, Utah played its first game. You know, days before Thanksgiving, Utah finally plays. They kids had been on campus since since June, but but here's my thing with the 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 so they'll they're gonna make they're gonna make two last place teams play on December nineteenth. Then they're gonna send them to a bowl, and you're not. It's basically the next week. Okay, it's Christmas, so you're gonna go. So you're gonna play all these games, but the, it's all for inventory because it's at the conference of but they couldn't expand the playoff, which would actually have made them more money because people actually want to watch that game because that's not what we do. It's, it's just the, the sheer, like, what, like, why, you know? And it's like, these bowl games have to be here. Like I saw a great thing. We'll, we'll see. Iowa state might make a, a really good bowl, but let's say they don't like Iowa state and Iowa need to meet in a bowl game. Yeah. 
right? Like, play, yes. that's the bowl game. I don't care what your little, whatever your system is, scrap that. These two need to play. And guess what? You don't need to host it in wherever. Play the right. thing at a high school field or, you know, somewhere in, in Des Moines or just one of their two stadiums. Yeah. Like, here's your bowl game. We're going to play the Cyhawk. That makes sense. But it's like, nope, nope, we can't. We can't upset the bowl guys. The bowl guys are so important. Uh, so we 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 are going to make kids play these ridiculous games, but we can't change the bowl system to give games people want or expand the playoff in any way so that you sit there and go, well, how the hell does 7-0 Oregon not make it? Well, we already determined that Clemson and Notre Dame both deserved in. You know, all right. This is uh, this is it. I will say also, I, I, I will own this caveat for our listeners, is that the three of us probably hate meetings as much as anybody. So the, the idea of the college football yeah. playoff meetings and going and sitting there for that many hours might be especially onerous to uh, to the, to us. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it, but I also wouldn't be allowed. But God bless <laughs> these ADs that apparently are so apparently not essential. Just stay, take a couple days off a week. Don't worry about it. We don't need you. Thanks. Can I have a retention bonus, Phil Fulmer? <laughs> well, it should be nice to Phil Fulmer. He's uh, got COVID, so that's that's true. That's so true. We'll be nicer to him. Although I, I'll, I'll lead right into this. Be nicer to him than his head coach. Sully, five straight losses for the Tennessee Vols and the Jeremy Pruitt experiment, all by double digits. Never before happened in the illustrious uh, or once illustrious history of uh, Tennessee volunteer football. Uh, He he apparently has a must-win game, is what they're calling it, against Vanderbilt (laughs) this week. (laughs) I would agree, I guess. But uh, I don't know. Do we like should, should Jeremy Pruitt be fired? Can he be fired? Phil Fulmer has COVID. Phil Fulmer just got an extension and a bonus and lots of money. And his only thing he's done is hire Jeremy Pruitt. So is Fulmer gonna fire him? I don't know that Pruitt gets fired or whether you do fire him this year. I don't uh, you know, uh, Pete, you had a story about the realities of co firing during COVID. What 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 happens to Jeremy Pruitt? Because it's not working at Tennessee, but I don't know that. Well, if you are Tennessee and the new administration there and you really want to get the football program right and you fire Jeremy Pruitt and let Phil Fulmer make the next hire, you are just setting your athletic department and football program back another five years. And they're already probably set back about 10 years right now. And and again, I'm not saying Phil Fulmer couldn't make the right decision for a choice at Tennessee, but I will say that. If you are a competent university administration and you allow a completely unqualified athletic director to again make a decision with a head coach, and you may because you just agreed to give him an extension when there was a one school market and that one school was in Knoxville. If you really want to dig yourself into a ditch, and this is like classic college football. We attach, it's so based on emotion and nostalgia and not reality. Phil Fulmer was on the sideline when we won the national title. And that has given him 20 years of goodwill when he's really done nothing good for the university since then. He's meddled with with past coaches. He stabbed John Curry in the back. And he hired a bad coach. Jeremy Pruitt is not good. He basically took the Alabama model and said, okay, I'm going to, in the East, Try to have to play Alabama every year because that's our crossover. So I'm going to try to beat Nick Saban with the Nick Saban model, and I'm going to try to beat Kirby Smart 
with the Alabama model. And you really think you're going to be able to do that at Tennessee? I just, it just, none of it made sense from the start. And then they doubled down. The most crucial hire of Pruitt's tenure was when they uh, got rid of the, they lucked out by getting rid of the OC uh, Tyson Helton that Western Kentucky fired. And they said, we're going to go right back to the Saban tree and get Jim Cheney from Georgia, who Georgia doesn't really want anymore. Like none of these moves have made any logical sense for Tennessee. And so I really think when you sit, when you sit back and look at it, I don't think Tennessee in mid a pandemic could figure out how to get rid of Fulmer, hire a competent replacement, hire a coach in that time. What they'll probably do if they keep flailing, and Vanderbilt has actually played decent the last few weeks, even though they keep losing. They're not like totally hopeless. If they keep flailing, they'll probably fire Pruitt, have Fulmer make the hire, and then they'll just continue this cycle of ineptitude. What you said there about obviously the the you know addicted to nostalgia piece of that is, I mean, the the irrational need to have comfort and familiarity with the people in charge for college fans is is pretty striking to me. I, I spoke actually down at in Knoxville to the the Vol Tip-Off Club. This was uh, maybe five years ago. They're very nice people. Glad they had me in. But it was during the SEC Swimming Championship. So I'm watching my kid from Georgia swim, and then I'm running from the pool to the banquet hall to do my thing. And I've got a Georgia pullover on. There was a woman who was so furious with me for wearing that in there. She accosted me outside and started yelling at me about it. She did. Yeah. And so, but we ended up having a, I, I talked her down to the point where we could have a discussion. And, you know, I was like, so what, what do you think is going on? And she goes, we hired Dave Hart as our athletic director. He's from Alabama. How can we have an athletic director from Alabama? And then, so that's, that's how you end up with Phil Fulmer. Because you've got to have somebody you know and makes you feel warm and fuzzy and remember when we were good. Doesn't matter whether he can do the job. We've just got to have a guy that we know. And if that's your mentality, that's how you end up in, in the situation Tennessee and other schools have ended up in. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're backing this up. <laughs> this woman is now a nominee for person of the year five years too late. Pat Forty getting in an argument with random Tennessee ball fan. Yep. I love this person. <laughs> uh, a little more on this. She was mad you were wearing a Georgia T-shirt or something? Georgia pullover, yeah. I had literally, pullover. I was at the SEC Championships. I watched my son swim. I get in the car and I sprint from the pool to Calhoun's on the river where they have the meeting. Oh, excellent place. Yeah. It's great. And so I go in, I go upstairs and I'm like, look, I am sorry I'm wearing this. Here's why I'm wearing this. Now let's talk about Tennessee. And we talk about it. She was glaring at me the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> and then afterwards, I think that is so disrespectful for you to wear that in here. It's like, okay. Disrespectful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did it's she ask college. you to, uh, to send your son up for adoption? <laughs> it's an option. <laughs> She did not. She did not. I did, did tell did her. You, I said, did look, you, you know, okay. I, I don't have a, a real dog <laughs> in the fight between Tennessee and Georgia, except for in swimming. That's all I really care about. Care about. Did, did Tennessee recruit your son? They did. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, did, he, was, uh-huh. he was not Did not he consider him? No. 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 All right. No. Well, no. so maybe there's a little. I think we're only getting part of the story over here, <laughs> Pat. <laughs> 
Tennessee has a good program, too. Good program. Uh, well, there's a lot of, I mean, I'm sure they were very, very angry that the swim team was slighted like that. I'm sure those people <laughs> at that booster club really care about swimming. Oh, immensely. They had no immensely, idea that yeah. meet was the SEC championships from going on three blocks away. All right. Well, whoever this woman is, uh, <laughs> identify yourself to me and, yes. it, uh, you know, we will send you a gift card or something. Yeah. I mean, anybody who yells at Pat is is uh, <laughs> sorry in my book. Pat, how did you hand like, I, no, I'm going to say this. Pat's obviously a good friend. We both worked with him for a long time. Pat can be known to have a little bit of a temper, as you can sometimes hear from his rants on the podcast. Were you able to like. Were you able to like keep it, keep it, keep it dialed in with uh, with, with the woman? Uh, when oh, with, she, yeah, when she with verbally her? accosted sure. you. Yeah. Okay. That was All like right. okay. All right. Let me get to one uh, interesting dynamic for this playoff committee, though, to come up with. Uh, it, there's going to be a lot of interest in. I mean, look, Alabama's going to be number one. Notre Dame's probably going to be number two. I think Ohio State is three. Clemson is four. I wouldn't expect anything different. Uh, Clemson. Is missed a couple games, uh, you know, who knows? I, I don't know how you know. It's just really a hard year, but I, I expect those to be the four. A lot of this stuff's going to get sorted out. To me, the interesting part is what do you do with Cincinnati? What do you do with BYU? What do you do with Coastal? Okay, uh, Marshall to a lesser extent, but could this be a year to get a, a, a group of five team in? And I think that's one of the th- reasons we should have had just that eight-team playoff. Just make it a free-for-all, get extra football, Make it more fun. I just don't know why we have to protect the gates so hard in a year where it's like we're trying to get as many games as possible. It's just, I don't know, the whole thing. But there's a chance that a group of five gets in this year, but it's not good. It's never good. And that's been one of the more disappointing parts of this. Because Cincinnati, you, I watched that Cincinnati-UCF game. I mean, that was a good football game. It was. That was a quality football game. And I don't know that they can, I'm not saying they can win the championship, but that shouldn't be the only thing. Like there's a good, there's a lot of good players in that field. And you watch that and you watch Indiana and Ohio State and you go, yeah, Ohio State's got some better high-end talent, but there's a lot of not that great players on those. You know, it's not, it's not like watching apples and oranges here. Uh, you know, it just would, I, I just would like to see it. I understand they have to guard whatever they think they're guarding to the death, but um, this is what they're doing. So, Interesting thing has emerged due to some cancellations. Cincinnati, no, it does not have a game on the fifth. I'm expecting Cincinnati to come in about sixth or seventh in the poll. And I think BYU will be about maybe seven or eight. We'll see. BYU has no game on December 5th. Cincinnati has no game on December 5th. Okay, Cincinnati will play Temple coming up. They they close on the 12th with Tulsa, and then there'll be a American championship game. Should Cincinnati and BYU schedule a game for December 5th, home, away, neutral, whatever they want to do, and create a top 10 matchup and a chance to make a statement that I think would be a lot higher than like Clemson's because who's Clemson beaten or a lot of teams who's, you know, you would have a potential great win on your schedule. And it would also be the showcase game for their programs and excite. It's not just about the playoff, a really exciting game for their, their fans and their teams, a lot of media attention, all the stuff you're trying to do. It's laying right there. Schedule the game. Or is the risk of getting knocked out of the uh, group of six game and that payday too much that you can't afford it. And that's a disappointing aspect to this. Is like, well, we if we do this and we lose, we don't get the group. 
it's all or nothing. And we no longer get that big payday for our conference, which is again, like this just backwards way we have to run this sport. Like some kind of payout for a game would, would stop a game everyone wants to see. So I find it to be a fascinating thing. Should Cincinnati and BYU play, or is that that like irresponsible in a fiduciary manner for, for the Bearcats particularly? Yeah. Um, I would love to see it. Well, I think it'd be, you know, I think if both of them would need to recognize the situation for what it is, at least as, as you said, as we anticipate it being, they're both on the outside looking in and there are both probably enough roadblocks that will keep them on the outside looking in, even if they go undefeated. So what's the one thing that could get them over the hump? One more big win. So, yeah, you play each other with the acknowledgement, okay, somebody's going to lose. And so you're taking some risk there and you are playing a good team. But I think it would be great. I think that, yeah, that they would need it. And I would hope that the committee would look on that favorably, you know, that, hey, we are trying our best to schedule good games here at a time when games are falling off the map nationally, at the time when we're going to ask the committee to consider teams that have played five, six, seven games, maybe, as playoff teams. Well, here's Cincinnati. Hey, we're we're willing to play 11, and we're willing to play undefeated BYU. Check us out. So I don't know whether the schools would look at it that way, but I'd like them to. So I really think with with Cincinnati and BYU, it's one of those quintessential college sports things that makes so much sense that I don't think it will happen. And we've seen this a million times, right? Like it would be one of the buzziest, most creative, innovative. It would be embraced by fans. It would crush social media. It would do all that. But you, even at the, the mid-major and the mid-major independent level, for lack of a better place to put BYU, everyone's always so concerned about their image and their slice. And like your BYU, you want an undefeated season. Like... I just really think like, hey, let's get after it. Like we've always said that if the playoff expands, there should be some kind of like mid-major playoff or or whatever. Like there should be that level needs to maximize its exposure. That level needs to show off its best product. And I think it's too creative for people to embrace. And I don't think it will happen. But I absolutely think it should. Who wouldn't want to see uh, Zach Wilson against that Cincinnati defense slinging it around and Desmond Ritter uh, going up against uh, that drop A to BYU. I mean, it would be one of the best. It'd be one of the best, most fun matchups of the year. You put it on a Friday at eight. You would hit a. You would hit a huge number. Uh, BYU draws well. I think there's a lot of people intrigued by Cincinnati because they're undefeated. I think there's a lot of fan bases intrigued by Luke Fickle because they want to upgrade. So I just think there's a ton of ingredients for it to work. But my prediction is that it won't. Because sp- college sports leaders just sit in the fetal position and cling to their slice of the cookie and worry. To, they don't worry about what could benefit. They worry about what they could lose. Right. And in this case, if you're Cincinnati and you come out in these rankings one ahead of BYU, you yeah. are most you have the inside track on the group of uh, five spot in the New Year six game. And again, these are like this is English. <laughs> only to people who know this ridiculous system and you will, you, the American will get a big payday at the bowl game. I don't know what these bowl games are going to pay out. Uh, and, and I'm intrigued at how these bowl games work because you actually cut all the costs for the teams because they don't have to buy all those tickets <laughs> that are overpriced <laughs> that they can't pay back. And they don't mm-hmm. have to spend because in these contracts, I mean, we did death to the BC. I mean, these contracts are insanity. So you have to pay $235 for a hotel room uh, for six nights in the San Antonio Hyatt. And then you could call the San Antonio Hyatt and say, how much is a hotel room? They go $135, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
but you're on the hook for all the expense. I mean, it was just a boondoggle. They just let the bowl directors rip them off. So I'm kind of intrigued at this because you're not going anywhere for six days, I assume. And you don't have to buy $230 tickets to a half-filled stadium. And you don't have to buy your band tickets, including three seats for the tuba guy because the tuba takes up two seats. I mean, these things are incredible. Anyway, you lose that payday and that's the incentive. And that's like, oh my God, we're doing this wrong. Because yes, this would be, in every other way, this would be huge. The Cincinnati-BYU game would be phenomenal. And yeah, you could put it Friday night or you could put it, man, you could put it Saturday night at eight, but you put it on Friday night. It's the talk of the sport. Both programs get enormous amounts of attention. Fans would love it. The players would love it. Everyone would love it. But we can't do it because that's not how we did things. And that's kind of goes back to my initial thing about this sport, which sits there and says, we'll have a meeting because this is how we do things. We don't schedule games like this because we don't do stuff like this. Like there's just no, I mean, this seems easy. I think it is easy. They'll tell you it's hard. I don't believe that. They also say it's it takes 12 hours to rank 25 football teams. <laughs> so BYU and Cincinnati, it's laying there for you. And yeah, maybe you lose. You're going to lose. One of you is. But neither of you are getting in now. And one of you isn't getting in the group of five game, any of the New Year's mm-hmm. six game anyway. Like the benefits. It's like college basketball is better at this, right? College sure. basketball is better at like your Gonzaga to schedule everybody. Yeah. And right. Yeah. Because you have that automatic bid because the it's not all about how we keep you out. Right. And the benefit for the sport in general is people like watching Gonzaga play basketball. Gonzaga's gotten really good. No one sits around anymore and goes, Gonzaga, they, they can't be good. They're in that league. No, they're good. They get really good recruits. And but football is about no, you can't be good. And it's almost like Cincinnati and BYU are going to fall for the con by playing by the rules set up against them. And that's going to be that that New Year's Six thing. And that kind of depresses me. Yeah. No. I, I mean, yeah. Because that's again, yes, it's a very risk averse system. And this is there is some risk for whoever you know somebody's going to lose, as we have said. And I, I think that. I, Probably, and it's interesting, I was at Cincinnati on Wednesday, and well, Luke Fickle remained in the bunker. He he did not uh, come out to speak to me, but but you talk to enough people around there, and they're like, kind of resigned, like, yeah, you know, I mean, we're really good, and we're having a great season, but now we, we, we realize we may not get in. And so if, if, you, if that's your mindset, then the, the other part of the mindset is, well, then let's protect our undefeated season. Let's go, let's say we can hang a banner for going undefeated and getting that New Year's Six Bowl, so... That's what they're up against. Yeah, Cincinnati needed like total chaos, yeah. and total chaos could still unfold. But right now, r- right now, it, it it does all feel a little bit predictable, right? If you look at how bad Florida played at Vandy on Saturday, you look at how Alabama's humming, you look at Clemson and Notre Dame, and they both have pretty good cases. You know, Clemson loses twice; they don't get in. So, but like that's it's it's pretty it's pretty reasonable to step back and say, oh, okay. We can kind of see how uh, you know how all this is gonna gonna play out. And Ohio State that was their test. They yeah. passed it. They yeah. barely passed it. Ryan Day tried to not pass it with some game management in the last five minutes, but they passed it. And uh, look, Northwestern could certainly find a way to like drag them in the muck. Pat had a great tweet about uh, the Wisconsin Northwestern game being a you know uh, straight from the Fitz playbook. I think is that what you said, Pat? The Fitz special. Yep. 
Fit special. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was fit special. I mean, that was a Northwestern game. Like, we've seen that game a dozen times Phenomenal. over the uh, yeah. over the years. Yeah, it's great. It was it was uh, it was it was great. I talked to Fitz Saturday night for my takeaways, and he was uh, he was he was fired up. They uh, they dedicated the game to former assistant strength coach who went on to Eastern Illinois um, and was head of strength coach there, who passed away tragically last week. Fitz had that uh that gentleman's family in the uh in the locker room after presented him an autographed helmet uh thought it was really touching you could you could hear the emotion in his voice when he when he was talking about it um yeah it was uh you know northwestern is one of the five great stories of this season and uh, especially after going three and nine last year and just being hopeless on offense i mean just totally hopeless mike bajakian has given them some schematic life peyton ramsey peyton ramsey had a couple plays yesterday where like you know it's third and six rolls to the right like tiptoes right at the line fires for seven you know just like senior quarterback gamer coach kid plays that really that really made the difference and, and a day when their offense really didn't do much would they have five straight three and outs at one point oh yeah that they they the second half that was that was fitzgerald yes. trench warfare three and out you go three <laughs> and out we go three and out you go three and out that's okay it's all right we're gonna we're fine we're fine yeah <laughs> four minutes off the clock every time yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. That's right. And then how about he 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 finds this tape on like a Tuesday or something, Joey Galloway <laughs> on College Daily Live, of all people, compares the Northwestern players to Reese Davis in a joke. They're not as athletic, right? And he turns this into this unbelievable slight. Who the hell was watching the show? <laughs> That's I mean, why you have nine <laughs> graduate assistants and analysts. Yeah. To be oh, scouring for disrespect. Like what? Like it's not. It's not like you know. I mean, it was just like, oh yeah. And he's sitting there after a bunch of Reese Davis is here. What is going on? I'm like, what is this reference? He says, oh, you guys are as athletic as Reese Davis. Well, if I'm Reese Davis, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, I don't <laughs> know how old Reese is. He's got to be about fifty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, compared to a bunch of Northwestern football, even if they were zero and eleven, I'd be like, hey, that's a- <laughs> Compare me to a Penn State football player at my age, I'd be pretty happy. I mean, my God, uh, yeah, it was it was classic. I mean, it was everything that you want out of Northwestern football, and there it was. Can they beat Ohio State? We'll see. But yeah, you you can almost pencil in Alabama and Ohio State. They basically need Notre Dame or Clemson to gag and then wipe the other out. You know, the two other things on this: what do you do with the Pac-12? There's this sort of mentality out there that they're kind of not going to be involved, but I don't know. And the committee hasn't met for 12 hours, five 12-hour meetings, 60 hours. They're going to meet for 60 hours to discuss this stuff. Holy crap. All right. Can, you, can you say that? Have you watched Colorado yet? <laughs> like, That's the thing. Uh, <laughs> they're undefeated. USC is 3-0. and They played a good game. All three times USC has played, it's the first game of the other yes. team. Okay? But they they should get to 6-0. and Yeah. <laughs> should. They're playing Don't pretty well. Chip. Chip's looking salty, Dan. Yeah. Chip could get him. Chip got Clay a couple of years ago and almost got yeah. him clipped. I, and Clay Helton, I mean, they could have a 6-0 and regular season. You make the yes. championship game. And he's got like a top 10 recruiting class. Like from the ashes, yeah. man. Clay Helton. Uh, Chip Chip was sad because the duck, the, he played at Oregon. <laughs> he got to return to Oregon and the duck wasn't there. Due to COVID, he goes, the duck was always fun. <laughs> Chip Kelly, that was one of my favorite lines of the week. Chip Kelly is great. a freaking riot. He really is. I mean, he doesn't say a lot, but he just throws these just sarcastic. Yeah. What are you gonna? You're returning to this place. You can imagine the question, right? 
you, you live for years. You're a fabric <laughs> of the community. What do you, Oregon loves you. What? Man, I'm kind of pissed the duck ain't there, man. That guy was kind of funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so great. Yeah. So great. you know that, yes, the question was absolutely that. What emotions are going through yeah, you yeah. as you walk back into <laughs> the stadium? Up, like, yeah. I want to see what the duck was doing. One of my favorite Chip Kelly at Oregon things, the unemotional Chip Kelly, was when they, he used to do the booster function up in Portland. He'd drive up to Portland every week and do like the Portland touchdown club. And then eventually he won enough games. He just started doing it by Zoom. But it was like early. He video is like, I ain't driving up there anymore. Screw you guys. You ain't getting rid of me, man. We're 10 and, 10 and 1 every year. <laughs> like, you know, all those boosters like, Chip just loves coming up here talking football with us. No, he doesn't. No. No, he absolutely doesn't. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, where's the duck? All the emotions. He's a riot. Love him, but they lost again. Uh, it was like 8 and 19. I just, uh, still bad. don't know how this is possible. But anyway, we'll get plenty of chip. I don't know how it's possible. Great coach, great school. They suck. All right. But like the Pac-12, if you're 7-0, and I mean, these other leagues are losing games. It's not like if you're 7-0 and out of the Pac-12, why aren't you in? No, because that, it's the Pac-12. Nobody played any non-conference games. I know it. No, and, that, and again, that's that's why this is so hard for the committees. How do you decide why why should the Pac-12 be worse than considered worse or or better than anyone else? You don't know because you haven't seen anybody play against anybody from outside. So, you know that's the rub there. But you know it, it, the Pac-12 actually has got some some chances here for some stuff. Okay, like USC, Colorado, two undefeated teams are going to play this Saturday, and then on the north side. Uh, the last game of the regular season, Oregon-Washington. Both teams are undefeated. If they're both there at, let's see, uh, Oregon would be 5-0, and Washington would be 4-0 and because they had to drop a game. <laughs> Washington's you know, undefeated at 1-0, and right? At 2-0. 2-0. Oh, okay, they got 2. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. You know, 2-0. Yeah. At, like, but <laughs> Again, okay, committee, you go in there and look at 2-0 and Washington and compare them to 8-0 Cincinnati. I, how do you do it? How you know what? They need more time. They need more meetings. <laughs> How are you trying to do this in only 12 hours a week? Come on, uh, committee. Uh, the uh, the I, I got a little. Uh, so it's it, we're taping this Sunday, uh, Sunday early afternoon. And I just got some some text that the uh, the Apple Cup. So Washington goes to Washington State this weekend. And that game uh, right now, I was told, is in flux. Washington State's had a lot of COVID issues. And so there is some uh, rumblings, and I don't think it's going to happen, but there's rumblings about BYU being added to the Husky schedule, which would be interesting. But uh, the early read is they may not want to do it. That would be fantastic. uh, Yeah, it would be great. Oh, I mean, like that power on power, like, oh, it would be be awesome. But back to the Pac-12, the – the 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 six and oh, like I've watched USC a decent amount this year. I watched a lot of that Arizona State game. I watched a good amount of the end of the Arizona game, and then I had it on last night. Right and takeaways like USC. Like at a certain point, you just have to look at them and say they're not that good. Like I, again, they look good against Utah last night. Utah had nine new starters on defense. Game one, uh, Cam Rising, new starter quarterback. Uh, <clears throat> like I just have not been inspired. There is nothing about USC that screams this is an elite team. Like the O line looks pretty. I think this is some of the worst skill that USC has had. When you look at like the 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 amount of skill that they've had over the uh, over the years, and uh, yeah, I just like I, and again, I would love to have seen him play Alabama. I'd love to see some crossover. I'd love to see anything else. But right now, and and I do think there is some merit to the argument of you play 
10 regular season games or six regular season games. One of the sort of we talked, I think we talked about in the pod last week, Brian Kelly's little slip up. But we've already played a Big Ten schedule. Like, don't hold us to that limited sphere of that. And uh, and I think the reality of the virus in the Pac-12 is like, yeah, Washington, Washington could go undefeated if they went at Oregon at the end of the year, but they're they're undefeated could be three and oh. Four and zero, four and zero, yeah, because Stanford's doing okay. And again, there's fairness, right? The other teams had to play more than twice the games, and some in some cases three times the games. Like it's just unfair to glean from that. Let's put it this way: nobody out west yet, even Oregon, has showed any kind of like distinct dominance that you say, "Wow, they're really excellent." Maybe it's just a quality league. Maybe it's quality. All right, one other one that's <laughs> playing really well right now is Oklahoma. They crushed in Bedlam. Uh, they have got their offense rolling now. They have two losses. I mean, they're out, right? But the thing about football, and this is, again, I guess why we this would have been a great year to expand because they were shaky early and they got it together. In, every, in the other levels of football, high school and the NFL, teams sometimes lose and then get better over the course of a season. And it is acknowledged as something that can happen and still be a really quality team. You do not have undefeated teams in the NFL. Sometimes teams are have losing records and get it rolling. Uh, the Patriots were f- famous for going two and two in September and then winning the Super Bowl with a sixteen and three record. It's acknowledged as that's how football works, except at the college level. Now, I'm not saying Oklahoma should get in, but Oklahoma's playing really good football. Now, maybe the other teams aren't that good or whatever, but of all the years where maybe you give a break to you didn't play that well in September when other leagues weren't even trying to play in September or or October, what about the Sooners? And is there some kind of, you know, case to be made like, man, we're good. Sooners are good this year. And why is Notre Dame and Clemson both getting in if they end up splitting this thing? Or why is a team that only plays just five or five regular season games going to get in? Uh, Thoughts on on OU surge? Yeah, look, I mean... Clearly, this is one of those seasons where starting bad can happen and did happen to a lot of teams. I mean, I I think really, if if you want to look at the Big 12, I think more about Iowa State, which I think is the best team in the league. But they had that train wreck at the beginning against Louisiana Lafayette where they gave up a kick return for a touchdown and a punt return for a touchdown, I believe. And you lose to a team that's actually pretty good. But now that you know they can win the league, they 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 are almost assuredly going to go to the conference championship game. Now, uh, their only other loss was three points at Oklahoma State. An Oklahoma, uh, they beat Oklahoma earlier on. So that that's just the way it is. And that's look. I think we've been saying this all along. Nothing about this season is fair, and trying to come up with some ways to make it fair is just going to make everybody frustrated because I just don't think you can cobble together a, a reasoning now. Although Joe Castiglione, who's on the committee, when they're eating their steak uh, with the jalapeno cream corn, which is very good at the Grapevine Gaylord uh, Hotel, <laughs> he'll be talking to him and saying, you know, look at our team now. He'll be, you know, all that recusing stuff. I guarantee when they're eating dinner, they're not recusing. 
But uh, I just don't I don't think you can find a path for an Oklahoma to get there. I don't either. And all I'm rooting for out of the Big 12 right now is pure chaos. Um, I did a note on uh, Iowa State last night, so I texted their SID. I'm not good at math. Uh, you guys know that. You know, you don't go to Syracuse because you're good at math. And so I, in all these tiebreakers with different teams playing different numbers of games, like it's going to be mind bending this year. It's like the emoticon with the head exploding. So I said to Mike Green, who's the great SID at Iowa State, he's been there forever. I said, hey, you know, if you guys beat Texas next week, do you clinch? And he was like, I think so, but I'm not sure. So then, like, the, the Bedlam game happened. I kind of texted him again. He's like, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, and so I'm looking at the uh, – he's like, I, I, we'd be darn close was basically what he said. So I'm looking at the Big 12 standings right now. You got Iowa State, league record only now. Iowa State's 6-1. and one. Oklahoma's 5-2. and two. Oklahoma State's 4-2. and two. Texas is 4-2. and two. So it is conceivable that because all those teams have already played each other, that if well, Iowa State plays Texas on Friday, huge game, big game for Tom Herman, big stage for Iowa State. Here, here you are, six and one, first place in your league. You haven't won a league title since 1912. You've never won the Big 12. You never won the Big Eight. You only won the Missouri Valley when you went two and zero in 1912. I can't even make the Pat covered it joke because it's too old for that. So <laughs> here, here you are. You got this huge stage. If Texas beats Iowa State, and I think at this point it would be Texas upsetting Iowa State. I haven't seen the lines yet because it's only Sunday. Can you imagine four two-loss teams atop the league who've all very in varying ways beaten each other, the taffy pull, to try to determine who goes to the conference title game because of that? I mean, it would just be, I mean, it, literally it would just be mind-bending. They got us. Yeah, they'd have to have a system. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess same with Iowa State. Uh, I should have mentioned them. And it has been a great year for Iowa State. Really impressive victory yesterday over Kansas State. 45 zip. Yeah. I mean, I we love it one. in the city of Ames, by the way. Hooray. Yes. Love it in the city. Hooray. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's true. We Our podcast listeners know we were early on the Iowa State bandwagon. We were, we were, we were, we were jumping and chugging on that thing uh, last year. I hope their Sully favorite beer is Bush Light. Yeah. I'm never been yeah. off the train. <laughs> yeah. They're Dan my is favorite the train. fan base. Dan they is go, the train. They generally go about, you know, seven and five, and and they go to some bowl game and they drink the town dry of Bush Light. Like that's my. That's my idea of a college football team. Right Those are there. your people. That's, they're, yeah. their, their SB Nation site that covers them is called Wide Right and Natty Light. There you yeah. go. Okay. Absolutely yeah. I know it's not Bush Light, but like I, I, I dig the ethos there. I don't think any of us are going to well, argue it's a, that. It's, uh, a, yeah. it, it's a nod to uh, Larry Stacy and the Natty Lights that got him fired in the pictures. The yes. early, early social media uh, faux pas getting caught uh, at a college party with photos. All right, let's uh, hand out our Heisman trophies this week because we don't wait to the end. We give one out every week. Hello, record book. Hello, small sample Heisman. How about that? Got to give some love to the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. That was a really, really good game. Fun, exciting, close, dramatic, back and forth, some big plays, some bad plays. Uh, but they beat Appalachian State 34-23. The way is clear now for them to go undefeated. Uh, but C.J. Brewer, defensive lineman for them, was every time I watched, and I'm flipping back and forth between two or three different games at that point, every time I flipped it, he is blowing up the line of scrimmage and tackling somebody and just absolutely wreaking havoc uh, for the Chanticleers. So 14 tackles for defensive lineman, 14 tackles in the game. Uh, three tackles for loss, one and a half sacks, 
Fifth-year senior, heartbeat of the team. You know, he's been through probably some pretty lean times down there. 6'2", 280, defensive tackle from Bowdoin, Georgia. C.J. Brewer, small sample Heisman. Go, young man. I am uh, I'm going to give my small sample Heisman. I'm going to go to a little Maction, and I'm going to give it to Dwayne Eskridge of Western Michigan. So I watched most of Western Michigan the last two weeks. God, God bless Maction. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss it now that it's uh, that the, the, the Tuesday, Wednesday games are off the air. By the way, they should just play them all on Tuesday and Wednesday because it's just been such a nice addition, especially in a pandemic. Uh, Eskridge had against uh, – Eskridge was huge two weeks ago when they beat Toledo in that spike game. But Western Michigan outlasted Central 52-44 to this week. I don't remember if it was Tuesday or Wednesday, and that makes me happy. Uh, Eskridge, four catches, 212 yards, three touchdowns, including an 85-yarder. He had 41 yards on kick returns. He's one of those dynamic Mac guys who, who I wouldn't be surprised seeing uh, play on Sundays. He's a little small, a little unconventional body type, but he, uh, man, he was a beast the last two weeks. And, uh, yeah, one of the most explosive fun players to watch in the Mac. So tip of the hat to old Dwayne Eskridge. I'm going to give my small sample Heisman to JT Daniels, the USC transfer who is now the starter at Georgia. Uh, they outlasted uh, Mississippi State 31-24 in a Kind of fun game to watch. Uh, there was a lot of fun games. There's a lot of, I had to work the remote. Um, but I did watch some of this. He really looked good. Uh, 28 to 38, 401 yards, four touchdowns, average of 10.6 yards, uh, an attempt, uh, threw the ball down field, attacked the defense, played great. Uh, leads to the question of why he wasn't starting all along. I assume it was some kind of health issue. Because this is a different team, I think. I don't know that Georgia would have beaten Alabama or Florida. I'm not going to say that. But they certainly would have had a more of a chance. This is a quarterback that you can win with. Uh, JT Daniels has waited a long time to kind of get it together, get his chance. He gets his chance here and uh, does big things against Mississippi State. So I'm going to give a long road for JT. I'm going to give him a a small sample Heisman. All right, we said a lot of mean things about pretty much uh, everybody. Uh, I'm not sure we said anything nice on this podcast, but um, let's try now. Can we say something nice? Pat Forty, can you say something nice? I absolutely can. I'm going to say several nice things about the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Mm, good this call. was back on Thursday night. They're playing against Tulane, and they've had they're they're five and one. Okay, they for they think they're four and one going into the game, and I mean. They they just absolutely butchered the first game against Oklahoma State. We covered that exhaustively. We killed them, basically, for it. We said a lot of mean things about Tulsa then. And then they cobbled it together. They, they upset UCF. They beat the heck out of South Florida. They have a close, controversial win over East Carolina. They come back to beat SMU. And then they're down against Tulane. Looks like they have no shot. Uh, And they rally behind quarterback Davis Brin, who is the third stringer. And until they shoved him in the game while they're behind against Tulane, he had thrown one college pass for two yards. He comes in and all of a sudden he's lighting it up like Jerry Rome. There's your old school Tulsa reference. Uh, He throws 18 of 28 for 266 yards and two touchdowns, including the scrambling Hail Mary to put the game into overtime. Whereupon they won on a pick six, a 96-yard pick six by Zaven Collins, outstanding linebacker for them. So Tulsa 
Way to rally. 5-1 and one overall, 5-0 and oh in the conference, and heading towards a showdown game against Cincinnati that will be the AAC game of the year. If they both keep going, I believe that game is December 12th in Tulsa. I'm going to say something nice about NC State, which it quietly amid this pandemic has had a really solid season. They're 6-3. and three. They beat Liberty 15-14 to 14 on Saturday night on a blocked field goal. And, and look, if you are sort of a perpetually middling program like NC State is, one of these places that's not a blue blood, but they're not bad. They're not a basement dweller either. They're coming off a bad year. Like, I give these programs credit for having the pride to gut through and play. Because, look, we're not going to have a ton of bowl games. So, like, you are literally just kind of playing for pride right now. They've uh, they, they've rattled off a bunch of wins in a row. They they no, I'm sorry, two wins in a row. Um, and and I just really think with a backup quarterback, Bailey Hawkman, they have done just they've just had a nice professional season. And I kind of like looked at last night. I was like, man, they've won six games this year. That's you know that's that's surprising. I think a lot of people thought this could be the the dying breaths of Dave Dorn there. And uh, instead, you know, they've shown they have good they have good culture. They've kept things together. And yeah, they won. 15-14 against the ranked Liberty Flames, handing Hugh Freeze his first loss of the year. All right, I'm going to say something nice about Lovey Smith, mm, Illinois coach. Uh, I've always enjoyed Lovey Smith. I think he was a group terrific NFL coach. He took the uh, Illinois job five years ago, grew an awesome beard, and uh, cashed a bunch of checks. Uh, <laughs> there, there was that epic run to the 2019 Red Box Bowl that... Uh, <laughs> How could we forget it? Nope, nobody, will, nobody in Illinois forgets it. <laughs> I believe a thirty for Chill thirty, bumps. a thirty for thirty is in the works on the, commemorating that season. Unfortunately, it was a loss in the Red Box Bowl. Uh, opponent not remembered. But anyway, other than that, uh, hasn't been a whole lot. He is uh, currently seventeen and thirty-seven overall. But let me tell you what: they lost to Minnesota a couple weeks ago, forty-one to fourteen to Minnesota, and they were zero and three. And it's pretty much it, right? Uh, instead, this team has not quit on Lovey Smith. If you would have thought, well, Lovey's probably going to get fired. This team sucks. Uh, they pull out a comfort behind victory at Rutgers. Uh, and yes, it was the Illinois Rutgers game. But they went to Nebraska this weekend and absolutely humiliated the Cornhuskers. 41-23 has left Scott Frost program. We didn't even get to trashing Scott Frost program this week. Lucky you. Uh, we'll get to you probably, but terrible performance. But Illinois beat them soundly, and that is a great win. And a team, as Pete was kind of saying, it's it's really understandable if teams just sort of give up. And they didn't give up. He's got his team playing football. Now, they finish Ohio State, Iowa, Northwestern. So this could be the end of the Lovey Smith era anyway, or this could be the highlight of the race. But we will see. Congratulations to Lovey Smith, who still can coach a little bit of football and got his team ready to win a game uh, at Nebraska in, in convincing fashion. So I am going to say something nice about that. All right, we will be back a little early this week. We're going to get this thing out by Tuesday night, so everyone has the podcast to travel by on Wednesday and Thursday if you're traveling, if you've got time off. Huge week coming up. This is usually the best weekend of the season. Uh, it's not quite that, but we still got Iron Bowl. We got a bunch of really good games. And it's Thanksgiving weekend. You get the Friday, Saturday, you know, game, day games, all of that. So uh, make sure you subscribe. Uh, check for us on Tuesday night. We'll be out a little early for you. Plus, none of us want to work on Wednesday. And um, we will <laughs> biggest all... Biggest drinking night of the year, normally. Big, biggest, yeah. Tough for the bar owners, man. Feel bad yeah, for oh, bar owners man. that can't open or just aren't going to get 
the normal crowd um, just because of this. But so we love you, bar owners. Stay open. We'll be back. I mean, I can't imagine my life without all these bars just tempting me in. I don't. Uh, anyway, we will talk to you all on Tuesday. <laughs>